This is Culture A Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah, and this is a show where we'll deep dive on the good and the bad with Middle East HR and talent experts on their challenges, strategies, and success stories to inspire your own journey. Listen in and get ready to unlock potential and drive results with Culture A. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me today on Culture A. I am very privileged to have Shanu on the show with me today. She is an HR pillar with over two decades of experience in the UAE. Throughout her career, she has left a profound mark on organizations across the region, such as Shelhu, Do, DIFC, and within HR consultancy in Amazon as well. Depth of understanding in HR spans from acquisitions to strategic transformations and regional expansions. Now, having personally collaborated with her in the past, I can attest to her unparalleled ability to navigate the intricate dynamics of the corporate world. She is what well, she always was, and she is an individual that I consider my go-to when I wanted to have a sounding board on the decisions that I was making throughout my career. And in fact, jokingly, I always called her the Oracle because she knows it all. So I'm so, so happy to have her on the show. And I know that my listeners are in for a very enlightening session. Shanu, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. I really look forward to this session, considering it's my very first podcast. I'm looking forward to today. I love it. No, I'm super excited. I'm very excited. I'm happy that I'm your first podcast. Hopefully it's not the last time that you're on the show though. Okay, Shanu, let's dive right into our conversation for today. I have some things prepared that I really want to get into with you. But for those of, of my listeners who are with us today, can you kind of walk us through your journey so that they know a bit about your background and how you've kind of steadily climbed up the corporate ladder. Yeah, absolutely. Sarah, thanks for that. So as you rightly called out, I've been in the region all my life. So I was born and raised in Dubai. So obviously all my experience has been here as well. I think you called out some of the companies that I've worked with. I started with saying that I was not always in HR. I was in commercial-based positions and roles, starting my career with Jumbo Electronics, where I joined as a graduate trainee right after college. I worked there for a couple of years and then moved uh, to Shadow Group. Uh, that was a super interesting um, experience for me, considering I was there for six years. And it was really getting into the crux of uh, profit and loss. How do we look at demand planning? How do we work with regional players, you know, such as all the in-flight, duty-free, Emirates Airlines, etc. I worked with all the luxurious brands. I was in charge of institutional sales, which predominantly meant accessories from Swarovski to Majorica to all these really cool brands. I then decided to kind of step back from my career for a year and spend time with my son. And that's when Do happened. So Do was my very first experience with an HR. And I was really fortunate enough to join at the time where Do wasn't even Do, and we were called the second telco. We hadn't branded ourselves yet. I got to be part of that entire cool exercise of selecting the colors of Do. And as we all know, they're super bright, they're super fun. And I did that for a couple of years. I think it was almost two years. And then I moved into DIC authorities. Again, uh, an experience that I I take with me uh, for the rest of my life. I think we were very, very ahead of our time when we were in the IC authorities, really great initiatives. That's when I started at Chabas' partnering, working with uh, really niche organizations uh, within the IFC. I then was fortunate enough to start my own consultancy with one of my really dear friends and colleagues from the IFC and Do. We started Smart HR and one of our clients was the Jabbar Internet Group, which we all know at that time also had soup.com under their umbrella. So I used to work with Soap as a consultant for a number of years. And then I was offered to go internal. I was offered a full-time role with Soap.com. And, you know, that's where we met, of course, Sarah, when you started with us. 
I, we did that. I did that. I was a regional HR manager, as you know, and I business partnered with all the C-level and, and sort of set up a lot of different teams and functions like logistics, social media centers, et cetera, et cetera. And then, of course, Amazon acquisition happened 2017. I continued being a regional HR leader for the GCC market. And then more recently, I am now heading mobility for all of the Middle East, Africa, and APAC regions within Amazon. So it's been an interesting, let's say, journey for me, you know, predominantly happening startups, starting up teams or starting up organizations and function. I like to build things from scratch, from the sort of career uh, focus perspective. But yeah, I've, I've had really great opportunities, which really led to one thing to another, really stumbling upon great opportunities over the last 20 plus years. So that's a little Thank bit about- Thank you, Shana. Yeah, thank you. No, I, I I wasn't aware of some of those transitions for you. I didn't know that you weren't actually in HR at the beginning. I had no idea, honestly, that like I'm surprised that the Oracle didn't start in HR. You know, it's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, no, that's amazing. And it just shows your ability to kind of adapt, to learn. I think you're like a sponge. I also wasn't aware that the consultancy company that you were in was your own so that's that's amazing to see because you have that kind of entrepreneurial spirit. You know, starting up something and then getting a client like Souk must have been really hard. So it's it's a testament to you. That's amazing. Like looking back, would you say that there is a specific moment or like a decision that you made that you feel was like a turning point for you in your career? Yeah, I think you know, interestingly, there were two turning points for me over the last twenty five years. So I'm a firm believer, Sarah, of what happens happens for the best. And I think I've, you know, said that to a lot of candidates, employees, managers over the past, uh, I don't know how many years. And I, and I do believe that fate takes you where you need to be. So my decisions are, I, I wouldn't say very well. I do take calculated risks to a certain degree, but I also am quite spontaneous when I take my decision. And the two turning points for me in my career was, of course, you know, moving from a commercial and a business based role to a more HR-focused role. And then the second turning point, of course, is getting into being an entrepreneur myself and really, you know, understanding what the other side looks like. So I think these two have been, these two experiences, these two sort of shifts in my career has really honed me into what I am today. I think I, I, I am fortunate enough to take all these experiences and apply it to my day-to-day work. And, uh, you know, having a business acumen, I think, really helps even us as a child professionals to really understand what is the right decision-making opportunities that we can all uh, leverage from. No, 100%. I think in our day-to-day as HR professionals, and I'm sure, sure, I'm going to try and keep this as, as politically correct as possible, we come across a set of very different characters, okay? Our main stakeholders, our managers, our peers, our whatever. Everyone that we work with is, is is very different. Sometimes it can be quite challenging to kind of navigate it day to day. And especially in medium to large organizations, there's an element of learning how to be diplomatic in, in delivering a message. I'm assuming that your experience has helped you to like fine tune that capability, that ability to do that. So I wanted to know, can you maybe share with us like an instance where being diplomatic for you turned a potential conflict or like an issue into maybe an opportunity for you? Yeah, thanks, uh, Sarah. I mean, I always believe that if you're in HR, your middle name is diplomacy, honestly. You know, let me think of a specific example to share. So the one the one that really comes to mind or really stands out is when I was put in a situation, you know, to make sure that we are implementing some of the global program into the region, but also you know, in the dilemma where geographical nuances 
really needed to get factored in, right? So it is about what is globally available, but then what is locally relevant. I think that was uh, the situation I was dealing with. And I think how I sort of dealt with this situation is that I had to diplomatically balance two sets of individuals or two sets of groups. Let's put it that way. One being, you know, leveraging the central team's expertise and already laid out structured material to be launched within the region, but at the same time, making sure that my team also feels empowered enough to take decisions on what is right for our region. And and what I did was, and, and, you know, and this is key, I think, for all HR professionals is really engaging, engaging in educational and knowledge sharing workshops. You know, I had a lot of those with the global teams, they were really receptive, of course, to also listening from the regional experts. So we basically had quite a number of interactions to make sure that we're debating out, going back and forth, and ultimately really reaching to the right decision for each of the programs that we wanted to implement. And then the second is really having open conversations with my team, ensuring that they also understood that sometimes it's easier not to recreate the wheel. Sometimes it's easier to just plug and play with obviously customizations where possible. So in the end, I think, you know, we all want to do what's best for our customers and really, you know, look at what is the right solution for them. And which is what what I was able to create, you know, having those open conversations workshop. I think it's all about education. I think it's all about change and change management is difficult. But, you know, as long as there's transparency and trust, I think you get there in the end. Would you say that that's your piece of advice? Like if, if you can imagine senior strategic, like seasoned HR professionals who, who need to address conflict, who sometimes need to bridge a gap, you know, and and and, and quickly, yeah. how would you recommend that they approach it? Yeah. So having conflicts is pretty common, right? In large organizations, small and medium organizations, there's nothing wrong in having conflicts. I think having really, really useful debates ultimately leads to the right solutions. For me, I think first we should really define what these conflicts would mean. Like what, when does the conflict most commonly arise within a workplace? And I would say from my experience, some of these are, it could be a difference in opinion, could be expectation setting, could be lack of clarity in roles and responsibilities, could be changes. Uh, as I said, change management is a really big piece uh, when it comes to any sort of conflict. It could be conflict over performance, it could be conflict over feedback, not having transparency in messages, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So for me, I think the main thing, the main advice I think I could probably think of is really having effective communication channels. You know, we we don't necessarily index communication, but I think we should. I think it's really powerful to have honest, open, transparent, and respectful conversations to, to really resolve any of the conflicts, right? And this would honestly be a continuous effort. So I think one-off conversations or one-off resolutions also are good for short term, but I think it's really important to have that cadence in. It's really important to keep reinstating some of those key um, and, and critical messages. And then likewise, I think on the other side or the flip side is for HR to really have really powerful listening skills. So I think, you know, we are, like you said, you know, diplomacy is so crucial. I think one of the things that we should absolutely foster as an environment is where voices are heard. It's really important that we build those strong relationships, encourage everyone to, you know, speak up. I think empower them to speak up. And I think the more we speak, the more we communicate, the more we have those discussions, it always leads to solutions. 
At least that's what I've seen in the past like 20 years. So, you know, Shano, my next question, I was going to ask, okay, that all employees, regardless of their position, they face challenges in the workplace. And I was going to ask you if you if you saw like a universal challenge, you know, that you've observed throughout your your career and how people approach it. But would you would you say, given your last response, would you say that communication is the universal challenge? I think for me, universal challenge is conflict management, right? So that's going to be there everywhere. And of course, like we said, solution is concise and honest communication. Another challenge I can think of, Sarah, is really how does one grow their career within an organization, right? Everyone gets stuck. Everyone, you know, doesn't know where to head from time to time. So I think, you know, one of the things that I often have observed is employees over-indexing on getting support from managers to help grow their career, whereas managers wanting to make sure that the employees really take that initiative or proactive approach to grow their own careers. So I think it, that balance or that conflict is always there. My advice would be that, you know, you have to own your own destiny, ultimately. And, you know, while having great leaders really get the right platform and opportunity, sometimes that's not possible within the organization or the team that you're in. So my advice would be really to start setting clear goals for yourself, working backwards from what is it that you desire? What keeps you motivated? You know, what do you want to continue learning or being on top of your relevant field, as an example? I think another thing is, which is really crucial, is networking, building professional networks, you know, doing podcasts like you're doing, really bringing out what are some of the best industry practices, you know, really, really help as well, learning from each other, getting a mentor. I think it's amazing if someone can find a mentor to really offer advice from their own experience, sharing their own experiences. And I think for me, I think the most important thing, which we try to you know, tell my team members as well, is be a little flexible in your thought process. Be open to new experiences. Be open to those stretch goals. You know, it's only going to make you learn, hone in your skills better, take you forward. Maybe not vertically, maybe you may not get a promotion, but absolutely widens your horizon horizontally, learning new skill sets and you know, embracing some of those challenges. So challenges can really uh, add valuable experiences to your experience. So I think that's some of the things I that come to mind, you know, main thing. And I think bottom line being own your own career path, take your own decisions. I think that's super valuable, Shanu. And, and it's 100% spot on. I mean, I have experience as you do, working at, at Amazon. And at Amazon, there's a big self-service culture push. And I, that resonates really well with how I operate as an individual, right? Because I, I don't like to be the person to consistently go back to my manager and say, but how do I do this? Or where can I find this? Or what I, I don't, I just don't like doing that myself. So I'm all about go out, figure it out, try and solve it. So if you have an issue, come back with a proposed solution, see if you guys are aligned. And I've, I've adopted that style in managing individuals myself. And so I, ex I expect that from people as well. Like go out and how hungry are you to find out the answer? You know, that's, that's what gives me an idea of your proactiveness, of your initiative, of your curiosity. And I think, and your ability to, to also probe and dive deep. I think these, it's all telling in how you approach something. So I think that's a huge one and a really good piece of advice. And I want to keep going on this topic, but I'm going to pause because I'm actually going to come back to it at the end of the podcast. Okay, so don't give away too much just yet on this one. Okay, going back kind of to, to where I was headed with this. So many employees, regardless of their level, and you said take ownership of your career, is they sometimes feel stuck or like unempowered in their roles, you know, based on your experience. 
what are some of the actual, like the actionable steps that they can take to regain a sense of control and really feel like they're doing something to grow in their careers? Well, absolutely. I think, well, Sarah, stagnation is common. You know, it's happened with all of us. It happens in your day job. It happens all the time, right? You feel that you've been doing the same thing. You may feel complacent. You may feel that, you know, how am I adding more value to my career? And that's that's normal. I think apart from what I've said, there are a couple of other things that, that I think are really useful for people to do. And one is really self-reflection. I think it's really important to take a step back, assess where you are, assess what your goals are or were, and then really understand what is it that truly motivates and excites you. What is it that you want to feel like every time you go into work? I think the next would be once you've really assessed what that is, to really define specific achievable and realistic career goals. So we've heard of the SWAT, you know, goal setting and things like that. I think that could apply very well to your own individual selves and not necessarily a task or a goal. So really setting some of those career goals and having a clear sense of direction. I think, you know, our minds are obviously a devil's workshop, like we say, and it goes in all, all directions. I think just keep that focus and purpose uh, and motivation to a singular lane and, and chase that. You know, have conversations, have conversations with your colleagues, with your supervisors, with your mentors, Understand your own strengths, understand where you can grow, expand your network. Like we said, you know, like I said earlier, I think networking, understanding what's happening out there is something that you can absolutely identify as opportunities and bring back to your role as well. You know, you're responsible for also making sure that you're motivated at work. So what are things that you want to get involved with? Take those stretch, stretch opportunities, you know, ask your manager that you'd like to absolutely work outside of your comfort zone. There's nothing wrong with that. I think the best career decisions or the best growth opportunities come when you step out of your growth, out of your comfort zone. So ask those opportunities or grab those opportunities with different teams. I'm sure your manager will be supportive knowing that, you know, if you want to also grow and really build your own skill set. Like I think my own example, I started with commercial, very different, didn't know anything about it, started my career with it. Moved on into recruitment, didn't know anything about it, learned it, then moved into HR, didn't know anything about it, learned it, and now mobility. Like, keep reinventing yourself. That's the way, you know, to keep moving out of this mundane or this sort of feeling of being stuck. Yeah, I think that's what I would say. I was going to ask you if that's the approach that you took for yourself because of your your transitions, but you, you absolutely went through that. No, because it's hard sometimes, you know, you have to just be realistic. And I, I touched on this on an, an earlier podcast that I recorded today with David Badalofa. You'll hear the the episode, but it did come up that it was very, it was a very scary thing that I did myself. And I know this is something that I, I came and I spoke to you about. I mean, I was in talent acquisition for 16 years. And after 16 years, I was moving into program management. And it's, I mean, I was like, should I, I mean, is it late? Is it too late? Should I reinvent the wheel for myself? Like, where am I going with this? Is it, you know, do I have to start from scratch? And and your, your advice, I remember it. I remember speaking with you, Shanu, because it really, like, it wasn't, you know, you speak with your friends and you get like, oh, try it. It might be great. You know, this kind of like a little bit superficial or surface level, let's say, advice. But you, you came to the table with, it's a learning opportunity. It's going to challenge you. You're going to be stretched. It's going to be hard and you're going to kill it, you know? And I remember that conversation. I was like, you know what? Absolutely. Like if you you gave me that boost, that confidence, just 
go for it. If it doesn't work out, at least you know that that's not the path that you should take and go back to what you were doing or try something else. But I like I like the way that you just kind of throw caution to the wind, but in the smartest way, you know, and you're definitely, Shanu, you are definitely very strategic in your decisions for your career. I've only seen, like you were, you were very successful when we first met, but I've only seen you kind of flourish after that. So it's nice to see how you think about it and how you apply it to yourself. It's amazing. Okay. I have two more questions left. Uh, one, because you're so embedded in the HR community now and you have been for so long and we're seeing such a shift at the moment. We're seeing a lot of sh- shifts in, in employee demands, in ways of working when it comes to flexibility, in automation, AI. How would you say you see the role of HR evolving like over the next, I don't know, maybe 10 years is too long, but five years, especially with the rise of remote work and technology and stuff. How does it change employees? No, I think that it's such a relevant question to today. And, you know, and I'm going to answer that question, but I do want to call out that our region is slightly different, right? So a lot of our brick and mortar organizations, our small and mid-sized organizations really work five days a week. You know, they've gone back to how we were. But then again, there are obviously high-tech companies, there are multinationals, there, there are, you know, different organizations who do believe very strongly in a hybrid approach. And my take is that from an HR perspective, I think we'll continue to adapt to the demands of remote and hybrid work arrangements. So I think, you know, policies and practices will keep evolving. Of course, there's definitely a shift I've seen in the last couple of years where we're moving into a digital transformation, sort of an HR tech, you know, mindset. We're looking at how technology can play a role in HR. We are definitely relying a lot on data, data analytics, taking decisions based on good data, right? We're really focused on that data-driven insights and how do we bring that into work post management, you know, how do we look at some of these different models that even the governments are applying? So as an example, we do have a lot of different flexible work arrangements, right? So as an example, UAE has introduced different visa categories, like for your freelance, for your part-time work, etc. So I think a lot of that will transform into the way that the traditional roles are curated as well. I think we we definitely will see HR or already see HR doing a lot of predictive decision making on hiring as well, basis the data, because there's so much of reliance on technology today. Another key thing I think which is really crucial is I saw the introduction of employee well-being and mental health. Something was being a center or central topic of working remote. So we had seen it was very difficult to adjust to that lifestyle to start with. I think all of us have gone through that individually and then we've seen our teams go through that and we've seen our colleagues go through that. And I think there's so much of great emphasis that organizations are on wellness programs. I think that will only continue evolving. We've spoken about agile workforce planning. You know, that's something that's absolutely going to happen with different roles being introduced to cater to some of these remote requirements. We're also going to see, I think, very different policies and processes when it comes to global talent management. So now we've got such a large pool of talent all of a sudden become available because it really doesn't matter where they're based. You know, that that's something that will continue, I think, evolving as well. And then I think lastly, from an HR perspective, I think it would be that you know, we've already started doing so much of the engagement, employee engagement, because having virtual teams and, you know, having those activities, recognition programs become so crucial. And I only think that that's going to just keep growing and keep evolving over the last, well, the next couple of years. 
From an employee's perspective, honestly, I think all I can say is like change is not always bad. And I think that, you know, there is definitely uh, a request that, you know, we should all be patient. So while HR is busy the plane, while they're flying it, you know, it, it's also uh, very, uh, very easy for employees to think that they're not getting the right level of support tools and infrastructure. I think, you know, it's going to get there. And I would just say, like, let's just continue evolving and, you know, reaching that right equation, I think, over the next few years. Uh, so that becomes our new norm. That becomes our real standard of working into a new environment that we that was really foreign to us. Absolutely. I mean, I think there's so many things that are shifting and changing in parallel right now. It's as you said, where you have to build your building while flying. And I think that there's at least from what I've picked up, okay, in my conversations. I think particularly in the Middle East, I think there's also a new let's say, a newer understanding of what fall, what what is HR? I think the definition of what HR do is also transitioning in people's minds, the perception, moving it from an operational function or an execution or administrative function to something that's really a, a business partnership, a strategic function is, is new. And there are so many organizations whether they're they're local or regional or, or global, but have an existence in the Middle East, are seeing this shift and are trying to build, uh, you know, everything in parallel with this change in perception and behavior. So it's it's super interesting to see, and I think we're going to be operating from a different world in in five years. Like I think, you know, when you it's going to be like black and white, stark difference, you know. Okay, last question for you, and then I promise you I'll let you go for today. I ask everybody this question, so I'd be interested to know what would your top tip or piece of advice be for individuals that are just starting out their career in HR and individuals that are really seasoned professionals, each of them separately, what would your top piece of advice be? So I think for individuals who are starting their careers, I think absolutely get a mentor. You know, it's something that I, I think every person, even, even if you're seasoned, but I think particularly for those who are starting out, get a mentor and be very specific on your ask. So having a mentor, you know, just having general conversations may not get, get you the right level of insights or the level of expertise that you want to develop. So I think be very targeted in terms of what you're expecting from your mentor as well. Be very transparent in that communication and, you know, explain to them what is it that we want to grow in. And and also ask them their life experiences. I think, you know, you definitely learn and by, by listening to others. Uh, there's nothing more powerful than that, nothing more powerful than hearing people's experiences and how these um, address certain situations. So start building that intelligence and that knowledge base for yourself, that knowledge library in your mind. I think that's uh, that's crucial for the ones who are starting out. And I think for more, more seasoned individuals, I would say, you know, communication. And, and the reason why I say communication is that, you know, all problems arise from miscommunication. There's nothing else. It's all got to do with communication. I think we should just get stronger and stronger with communication, whether that's written, whether that's verbal, you know, whether that's uh, communicating with seniors, with juniors, with peers, with, you know, conflicts or or whatever the case might be. I think it's really important for us to keep developing our own communication skills. I think those are the two things I would absolutely say from my end, Sarah. I like it. You know, a lot of people have, have given me the answer, mentorship is important. But none of them have said target your your asks. 
So that's great. And and absolutely, I mean, I, I completely I completely align with you. Communication is a, is, a, is a very important point. But again, no one has ever said challenge your own communication or improve your own and try and find out ways to kind of strengthen how you you communicate. So that's amazing. Shana, thank you so much for coming on Culture A. I really, really liked having you on the show. Thank you so much, Sarah. I mean, it has been an amazing experience. You know, I was so freaked out. Okay, I don't know what to expect over here, but it's been such a great conversation as always, Sarah. Speaking to you, I think, you know, you're just made it so easy uh thank so you nice. yeah, thank you that's so nice thank you shanu i really i really enjoyed it it's not the last time i'm gonna have you on the show i just want to so like just prepare yourself i'm gonna come back <laughs> and and have you on with with a couple other guests i think it's gonna be great and our listeners have so much to to hear from you you have so much value to add so Again, thank you. Thank you so much. For those of you who are listening to our episode today, please like, share, and subscribe to Culture A. If you have any questions for myself or for Shanu, please feel free to bring them across and we'll, of course, be happy to have that conversation with you. And yes, stay tuned for the next episode. Shanu, thank you again and have a good day. Thank you, Sarah. You too.